Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hi! Hi! I have nothing to follow it up with. I thought oh. I might sing, but then I couldn't figure out what I would sing. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, Hello my big time cow. I was going to try and be clever and be like, my sister, Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> too many syllables. Yeah, too many syllables. Doesn't come, what was it, tippingly off the tongue you T- said? Yes. Tippingly? Tippingly. Yes, because it, it's the tip of your right. tongue. Right, right. So it's the tip of your tongue tipping. It trip off the tip though, right? But it's the tip of the tongue. Sure. People will have the tip many of the tongue, the roof the of the mouth, the what's the full phrase? Ooh, what is that phrase? The Say tip it again. of the tongue, the roof of the mouth, the. It used to be something you would say in theater to like loosen up your. Ah, uh, but lips. I did not do theater. You were the theater person. You know what my favorite one was? What's that? And I hope I don't get in trouble here. Okay. We had to do this in high school. Okay. And if we swore, mm. we'd get kicked out. Okay. So, no pressure, then. I'm a mother pheasant plucker. I pluck mother pheasants. I'm the most pleasant mother pheasant plucker to ever pluck a mother pheasant. Beautifully Thank done. You. How long has it Thank been since you last did that? Um, I think I said that pretty recently, actually. Okay, well then, never mind. <laughs> I, I, apparently, this is something that you just, you just say all the time. Yeah, it's fun yeah. to say. It is fun to say, and I don't dare ever try to do it in front of my Come children. Because I do Betty... Botter. You know, no, what's her name? Betty Betty Botter bought some butter, but she thought this better bitter. Eh, you know that one? No. No? Okay. <laughs> well, clearly I can't do it right now anyway, so it's a moot point. Mine's and, fun. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of which, who are you? I am Kate. And I am Betsy. Oh. Mm. And we are sisters. We are sisters. And we talk about books. We do talk about books. We're sister book girls. Yeah. We're like book sisters. Sister books. Sister book. That just sounds like we're all we're we're, we're married to the same guy. It doesn't. Sound we're right. married yeah. to the same book. Oh, that's true. That's true. You can have the book Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> I'll have the book Tuesday, Thursday, and every this other must Sunday. Be a good book. Uh, I wonder what this book is. I, I don't know. Maybe it'll be this week's book. Oh, maybe it will be. Maybe maybe it will be. That would be that would be fantabulous. Uh, because what do we do with these books when we when we actually get them? We rate them. Yeah. On a scale from this is awesome mm-hmm. to this is bloody awful yes (laughs) yes from awesome to awful and everything in between which is usually where they fall yeah yeah that that's what we do sometimes we have an extreme yeah sometimes sometimes if they're like super racist Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or we always count on a good bout of racism right or if they're super awesome yes exactly yeah so we're doing ours uh our book this week is sort of an homage, if you will, to its author, who I will tell you right now is is Tommy Unger, who, who died recently. He died on February 9th. Uh, don't worry, he was very, very old. Uh, so he lived a good, full, shockingly full life, I would say. Okay. Um, and I have a personal connection to him in that I was going to meet him, uh, but then instead that day, I gave birth to a baby. 
Oh, so there you go. So I never got to meet him. So it's not really a connection, is it? It's a it's a near miss. Yeah. It's a it's a, it's a. But not two ships not passing in the night. Not a connection at all. And one ship is giving birth when it's supposed to be hitting the other ship. You know, I was supposed to go on the moon tomorrow, but I'm mm. going to sleep in instead. Oh, so it's not a connection yeah. well, at all. It's a missed connection. Nope. I have a missed connection. <laughs> Doesn't matter now, because he's dead. <laughs> right. So I'm going to pull out this book here. Um, it's a little big. Jeez Louise. Okay, so you have to read this whole thing. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. So here's the thing. He was out of print for years in the States, and we'll get into why. Does that say the Book of Mormon on the side? It does not say the Book of Mormon. Uh, I don't know what you're reading. This is a collection. Oh, Moon Man. Moon oh. Man, exactly. We're not doing Moon Man. This is the Tommy Younger, a treasury of... Eight books of his. Not the eight I would have selected, but who am I? Question lovely Faden. And I will, in fact, find the book for you that we are doing today. I would argue this is his most famous book. What's the name of it? The Three Robbers? The Three Robbers. You huh. know it well. No, you don't. No. <laughs> you have no clue. Nope. Well, good news. It's a quick read. Oh. Um, and a fascinating one. This oh. is a uh, this uh, this is your I consider like this your fascinating. consider this your intro. Tell me younger. Enjoy. While Kate's doing a read, let's do a little background information on Mr. Tommy Unger. Um, we will get into why he stopped making children's books at a certain point. It was around the late 1960s he stopped, and he didn't really pick it up again for a good 30 years. Really, it wasn't until 1998 when he got back into the business with a book called Flicks. Now in 2007, the Tommy Ungerer Museum opened in Strasbourg, making Ungerer, and it says here, the first living artist to have a museum dedicated to their life and work hmm? in France. Oh, because as you can recall, the Eric Carle Museum is here in the States, and uh, I do believe it, it came out first. So in some ways, you might say that the Tommy Unger Museum was sort of macking off the old uh, Eric Carle Museum there. But hey, it's not a competition. You know, I'm sure his is good too. Maybe. Hello. 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 What is up? What is up with you? I read a book. Oh, that's well, nice. I read a story. Oh, okay. in a gigantic book. Yeah, it's uh, you. You are having to balance the massive thing on your knees as I speak. Yeah. So this quote in the beginning is this something that I don't believe that was in the original. This may have just been made for this edition. Because what was just happening in New Zealand? I feel like mm. this is a very good quote to hear now. It's. And this was by the guy, right? Tommy Unger, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he, yeah. He said, evil can be the most fertile ground for good, and good can learn from the cleverness of evil. Mm. Very poignant. Mm. I really like that. Even, even like before starting the story, I was like, ooh, that's, yeah. that's good. He's uh, He dwells in darkness, Mr. Unger. Yeah, he... Um, he <laughs> darkness, drunks... And boobs. Yeah, that's what the story is. Oh, that's that's pretty much his metier. You ah. have just you have just outlined. In oh, fact, okay. this is one of his less drunken boob-filled books, uh, <laughs> and certainly one of his least violent ones. Uh, there's no, not even any blood. 
No blood. There's no blood in this book. Is no it, eyes being gouged out. Nothing. Is I don't that know. usually a thing? Oh, yeah. There's usually some blood somewhere. Oh, interesting. It's like spot the blood with this fellow. Yeah. Well, I. Well, we'll get to the color, but so this is stories about three, not just three robbers, but they are three fierce robbers. <laughs> I love that they are fi fierce. Oh, yeah. Like, get they do have it. A, they have a look. They have a very distinctive look. Oh, yeah, with the caves yeah. and the hats. And the hats. I, and, yeah. I and the hair. I, no one ever talks about the hair, but they all Green I kind of... I No, but it's that long, straight kind of, like... Yeah, well, maybe it's, very it's blonde, but in, at nighttime, it looks green. Yeah, it looks green because it's in that, you know... You know when the moon's making that green light? When the you know, moon around, makes around twilight. hair nice and green like the pupiazza robber. I was really hoping you could, like, use <laughs> the word tangerine. Because it rhymes with green, right? Oh, no, yeah. Sorry. Tangerines aren't green, but so still these, rhymes. So these robbers have each have a weapon. Mm-hmm. And at first, I don't. Okay, so I don't know my weapons. What? And I. <laughs> by the way. Oh no. And it says the first had a blunderbuss. I'm like, that is totally fake and awesome. No, it's no, true. it's real. It's a short-barreled, lar- large board gun with a flared muzzle used at short range. And so you think to yourself, who was the first guy who thought to himself, I have invented a new kind of gun. What shall I name it? Mm. Mm. And then I think he like stubbed his toe while he was thinking <laughs> it. And he was like, oh, blunderbuss. Ah. And his wife was like, honey, that's it. <laughs> He's like, oh. And then a pepper blower. Yes. Which. Your standard. Never heard Get it at the that. Home Depot pepper blower. Yeah, it's yep. mm-hmm. it's really like one of those fans to flame in a fire. Yeah, it's a it's a bellows basically with a horn attached mm-hmm. and a little like canister at the bottom holding the pepper. I think we can assume they made it themselves. No, they... a pepper blower is a thing. Oh, it is a thing. It's a thing. Wait, they actually had pepper blowers. Yeah. Why? I don't As, know. I, for these purposes, because these and, purposes are not good. And then an axe. Well, the axe is pretty like, standard. Yeah, they didn't yeah. even think you about that. You can't have one. two real. In weapons and yeah. one fake one. They're all real. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's true. That's so... True. I mean, you can make a pepper blower. They walk at night mm. um, searching for their victims. And this was the first point where I was like, I love their use of color. The yeah. silhouette of the axe in the moonlight mm-hmm. is... That's when I was like, ooh, all right. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I should say that if you have a little kid, like a very little kid, who wants picture books about bad guys, this is what this book is very useful for. Because this is a pretty safe bad guy book that really fulfills... When they see those pictures and they're like, these are some pretty bad dudes. Mm -hmm. They got freaking axe. Well, it says they terrified everyone. Women fainted, brave Mm -hmm. men ran, dogs fled. And that's where I was like, honey, what are you wearing? She got some kind of cleavage going on. She did not expect to faint. I mean, what, 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 I... So clearly she's got a corset on, right? Oh, That's yes. why women fainted, because they couldn't get the air when they tried to breathe in quickly, because they were constricted around the, you know, the lungs, and so, so she's tried, you know, she's gasped and she's fainted. That's, that's there, and, and, uh... She's got some oofta. Well, yeah, she's got some oofta there <laughs> as a result of the corset, so, oh, you know, sure. it's all tied together. And then the men scaring her, right? Right. 
Because they're really frightening. So what the men would do is that they would blow pepper in the horse's eyes. And that is, I mean, that's not very nice. Yeah, the ASPCA would not approve. The poor horses. Two horses were injured in the course of this But they robbery. didn't die, so that's... No, exactly. It's not like mace. And and then they, with the axe, they smashed the carriage wheels. That's very effective. And then with the blunderbuss, they threatened the pa- the passengers and blundered them. Plundered them. Sorry, not blundered. <laughs> That's what you do with a blunderbuss. You blunder people up, if but you know what I mean. Again, this is a great use of color because the weapon is like the focal point yeah, here. Yeah, it's like it's got a spotlight on it. Yeah, it's very interesting. Meanwhile, the horses are still going crazy. Like, apparently that pepper was a real... Well, it was in... It, it big and did a number on I them. mean, if you got pepper in your eye and mm. you couldn't get it out with your hand... Yeah. You'd be what you gonna flipping do? out, too. Yeah. And you can't really move because the wheel You're attached is, to a... Well, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, you can't run away with it. Yeah. yeah. So these robbers hide out in a cave and they carry their loot to the very top, which is full of jewels and money and mm-hmm. wedding rings... I mean, they are Oh, yeah, they begin a lot. You know that that's, like, mostly what the jewelry is, yeah. And then one night, one bitter black night. <laughs> yes, because they are fierce robbers. They're the fair. bitter black night. Yeah, the so bitter, many. Bitter, bitter. So they come across an orphan named Tiffany who is being, uh, who is sent to live with her wicked aunt. I <laughs> love that. There's just, like, the most throwaway mention of this aunt. I mean... When is there ever a good aunt? Hmm. Trying to think if there's any books where kids get to go visit their fun, goofy... Tell me there is. There should be. Because as an aunt... Great aunts tend to be good. Aunts? Yeah, no, aunts don't fare too well in children's books. Really? They really do not. Stepmoms and aunts are are always bad? You know what? No, no, not always. Okay. Sometimes you will get the... Um, the artistic crazy aunt who, um, who like travels the world and could possibly be a spy. I can actually think of a couple books like that. Okay, I want to be okay. them. Okay, there you go. There's that's there's your Thank model you. for you. Because yeah. I don't want it always to be wicked ants. But yeah. anyway, so Tiffany, because she was the only one in the carriage, they decide to carry her away. And they made up a bed for her. Super sweet of them. And there she slept. I yep. mean, how did they pillage a bed out of a carriage. I, I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that was one the of bed their beds. Up the cave, <laughs> into the cave. I mean, or was Maybe it like an it was Ikea or, bed? No, I think built it's like, it up there. <laughs> I think it's like a case where like, you know, you move into a house and there's already some furniture already there because it was too much work to take it apart from cave? the previous one. So clearly the previous cave owners had done the whole work of, and then they just left it there and they hadn't had a use for it until now. A kid's bed. That might have been half the reason they kidnapped her at all. Like, we've already got the bed. I mean... Now we've got the kid. <laughs> Perfect. So she wakes up, and she's like... She, she notices the trunk of glittering riches and mm. says, What's all this for? And they never thought to spend it? Yeah, They no. just got their high off of yeah. stealing yeah. the it's adrenaline about the, rush. When that, the... when that horse screaming in pain... Just tears running down its eyes. That's that's, okay. that's where that's it doesn't get better than that. When they when they see people that. like peeing themselves because they're so scared. Yeah. that really oh, man. just that's just like the thrill. Yeah, the thrill. But they're getting older. You know, the thrills aren't what they used to be. But here's where I have a problem. Okay, 
It says they set off and gathered up all the lost, unhappy, and abandoned children they could find. Mm-hmm. First of all, if a child is lost, that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to go <laughs> and be kidnapped and well, be taken Well, presumably your... they asked. No. Like, they, hey, kid, we're going to go They live. are fierce robbers, Betsy. Well, maybe Tiffany did the talking for them. We never actually see them. And they're doing this in daylight. They are. They are. And apparently no one can recognize them in daylight. Which is the first time that we've seen daylight, because the entire time the mm. book has been in at night. Yep. Yep. And Their is... sleep schedule is going to be so off. And this, this is point. where we meet the drunk. Yes. He's who's, a jolly fellow. Who's just kind of going, oh. <laughs> oh. Maybe he's saying like, oh, I don't know if it's real or not. Is it one carriage? I ought to do two something about that. Margot. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. So they take these lost, uh, unhappy. <laughs> Quote, unquote. <laughs> and um, abandoned children. And they buy a castle with, like all, with all of their riches. Hell, I love that, okay, first of all, there's clearly a castle real estate dealer right there, mm-hmm. which I Wait, just love. He's got the curly mustache mm-hmm. and the top hat and a cane. Of course he sells castles. What can I do to get you fellas <laughs> into this castle? <laughs> I see your money. Let's make this happen. Okay. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. So they take all these kids. They somehow have... Like, what, 40 extra red caps and capes? They must have them custom made. And so I love that they're modeled after their own clothing. Mm -hmm. Like, so this is what this says to me. They made their own original outfits. Mm -hmm. And this is all they know how to make. (laughs) So they they were like, okay, we need to make some clothes for these kids. What do we know what to make? We know how to make hats and cloaks. So they robbed a fabric store? Oh, they probably bought it at this point. They're buying. They're using the money, so... Right. Why didn't they just rob the castle? Because you can't rob it. Like, people try to, eventually will try to kick you out. If you own it, then no, no one's ever going to... No, they're squatters. Gonna... They could be squatters and then just never leave. I think Tiffany's a good influence on them. I think uh, she... I think she, she would have insisted. ruined them. I do. Yeah, because then they start taking in all sorts of... Children are just being dropped off at their yeah. doorstep. Yeah, everyone wanted... And they just take any... Ch- when did they go from being fierce robbers yeah. to taking care adopted of kids? Adopted dads. Yeah. They or, clearly become adopted or dads. Or uncles. And did they yep. think that this was going to be a lifetime change? I mean, they're not robbers anymore. No. They're dads. They, see, this is why I think they were already inclined to have a change in their lives. Like, maybe that's why they took Tiffany at all. They were like, you know what? There's always been something missing. We don't know what it is. Let's kidnap this child. Maybe that'll fill the void in our souls. And then she's like, why don't you have more children? And they're like, well, it worked so far. Let's let's keep it up. And yeah, they just sort of abandon the like, whole... Maybe she's like, I just want siblings. And they're like, we will give you 40 of them. <laughs> <laughs> more children. More. And so the children grow up old enough to marry. And then they, buy, they build houses around the castle. And then a village grows and then they build tall, high-roof towers for each of the robbers to live. Again, they're still using the word robber. They're not robbers anymore. They, they really didn't have names, so I think we're going to have to stick with Mr. Robber 1, Mr. <laughs> robber 2, Mr. Robber 3. And then they live in these towers until the end of their robbing days. I mean, days. clearly they're good adoptive parents because you better be. I mean, if my kids started like constructing architecture out of my hat, which is a TAM, so it would be a really ugly building. But still, if they were constructing architecture out of some article of my clothing, that means I'm doing something right. 
But really, I mean, these kids who grow up with each other, mm-hmm. they're kind of like brother-sister, but they really, then if they're marrying each other, then yeah. it's like, you're married. There were a lot of kids, though. We're going to stick with 40 here. So here's it. how, okay, oh, fine, fine, fine. We're super <laughs> my, my thinking is, this is like uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, right? So in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, the, the seminal text, uh, you have this, like, group of kids that has been on a plane together, like a school trip, and then it crashed somewhere, and then they've been living on their own and become, you know, feral. But, you know, they start hooking up. I think that's totally natural. I mean, what if this was set up less as, like, you, these are your siblings and more like this is, like, a classroom? Mm. Right? Like a boarding school. Interesting. There you go. So they really don't rob because they're teaching. Right. They're caring for. Clearly. Well, I think they're teaching architecture. I mean. Because otherwise, it, how would you construct those three I buildings? mean, are they still robbing on the side in order I to think pay they for are. the electricity? I honestly think they are. I or think is they, the, they, they Did they have to give it up all the way? I don't think or they Or do did. the kids get jobs? Do the kids become robbers? Like, do they pass down these this, are the best ways never, to rob a carriage? It never says the kids aren't robbers. Right. We don't know what their livelihood is. I mean, maybe this is just a village full of robbers. It easily could be. This could be like a robber school because <laughs> what? Like we don't know that these guys know how to a farm, b like do anything yeah. other than rob, rob, right? Because they're fierce. Exactly. <laughs> I think maybe we've just figured out what their names are. Uh, their names are Rob. Oh, Rob. The three Rob. The Robs. Bzers. <laughs> First name's Rob. Last name's Burr. Rob, Rob burrs. Yeah. Yeah. Three Rob burrs. <laughs> so the burrs went out. Yep. Got exactly. It. The burrs went out. All right. So Tommy Unger, I'm going to give you a little background information on Mr. Tommy Unger here. Uh, he was he was born in Strasbourg in Alsace, France. Ah, so that kind of makes sense with like the architecture and the castle, the fact that there's a castle and like the village. Yeah, right. So yeah. he's not an American. Got it. He's, he's, he's from France. Got it. That's That's where he's from. Um, in fact, he was there a while. He was he was there during the German occupation of Alsace when the family home was re- requisitioned by the I cannot quite pronounce it the Wehrmacht. Is that how you pronounce it? The Wehrmacht. Sure. Yeah, bad people. Got it. Right. So got through that. He has put World War II in a couple of his books, and it kind of influences a lot of his books that hmm. he's written. Uh, in 1957. The year after he moved to the U.S., he published his first children's book, which was called, and I love this title, The Melops Go Flying. The what about it? The Melops. Melops? I don't know what that is. Spell that. M-E-L-L-O-P-S. Like an operative from Mel. (laughs) But I don't know what it is. Okay. And by the 1960s, he had at least 10 children's picture books, uh, plus a couple others. And then, around... 1974, he stopped writing children's books altogether, um, partly because he wanted to write uh, pornography. What? Um, erotic drawings in adult titles like the Fornicon. And this did not go down well with the children's librarians and booksellers. Why? A man can change his profession. Not if you're a children's author, apparently. They were like, we cannot have, you cannot have an adult life. You have to only do sweet... Pic- Apparently they hadn't read his books. But you have to do, like, your little picture books. You can't have this gross adult art. Hmm. Uh, and he, they, he was told this many times. He got fed up with it. So he left. 
Um, he was also fed up with the fact that the U.S. was involved in Vietnam. So there uh, you go. Yeah. Didn't care for that. Moved to uh, Nova Scotia for five years, and then back to Europe. Hmm. Uh, where he remained for a very long time, until he finally published, uh, in 1998, another children's picture book, and then he started publishing again. And then they made a uh, documentary about him called Far Out Isn't Far Enough, which was sort of based on one of his adult books that he'd written. And he pairs so beautifully in my mind with Shel Silverstein, who also enjoyed a little uh, adult drawing hmm. on the side. Yeah. And probably got a little bit of trouble for it, but wasn't hounded out of the States. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what you gonna do? Hmm. It's one of those I things. thought you were gonna say he pairs lovely with a nice red wine. Oh, <laughs> oh he did, darling. <laughs> he did. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, Weston Woods... Films turned Three Robbers into a, a short children's film that I highly recommend. It was very, very low budget and very fun. Um, it is one of my favorite Weston Woods films, in fact. And uh, that's all she wrote. There's not much to say about The Three Robbers. They never turned it into a movie. There's not really much to... Oh, but come on, yeah. man. They're turning Green Eggs and Ham into a 10-part Netflix series. Seriously? I kid you not. Interesting. Yes. So... I could see this being like a half-hour special. Oh, yeah. Kind of like uh, The Grinch Stole Christmas, you know? I think you could make a musical out of it. You'd have to add a lot more plot, yeah. and there'd have to be a baddie, which I guess the only other adult that has any kind of even close to a name in this book is the guy who sells them the castle. So I guess <laughs> Mr. He's, Monopoly. he's got a mustache. So right there, he I, must be the baddie. Well. Even though they're the, clearly the baddies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rob. Rob number one, Rob, Rob number two. Rob. Rob <laughs> Sr., Rob, 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 Rob yeah. Jr., and Rob the third. Yes. It's pretty much, yeah, and, and the occasional Tiffany. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ratings time. So this is interesting because I was thinking about it, and if I had read this as a kid, I would consider this a classic. Mm-hmm. I think I would have really enjoyed yeah. putting myself in Tiffany's shoes. You remember it. The images stay in your brain for a very long time. Yeah, yes. the blue and black. Yep, the blue and the black. Those hats. Or the or the bright red when yep. all the kids come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and if I were a kid, I would have been like, man, I wish I could have been one of those kids that lived in a giant castle. And was Heck yeah! Taken away, and like I got th three cool dads. And I get to wear a cool red hat with a red cape. Right, and there's yeah. who knows if there's any rules or not, mm -hmm. and you get to learn about robbing. Like, that would be fun. Sure. But reading it as an adult, since mm -hmm. I've never read this as a kid, mm -hmm. um, would I consider it a, a classic? That's tough. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? I did encounter it as a child. Um, I don't know where. I have no idea what the situation was. I just remembered it super clearly, just for the images. I just remembered there were three robbers. So I got that part down. Yep. And I remember their peering little eyes over that wall mm -hmm. when they're just like... The like little white down. eyeballs, yep. Yeah, little white eyeballs, yeah. So I remembered that very clearly. You sure you don't remember? Nope. I... Okay. Here's the weird thing. My memory, my primary memory with it is of that Weston Woods video and of you watching it. Hmm. As a very small child, but... I could have been, but We read no it from, like, the library on VHS. It was that and Streganona and something else. And, uh, and I, that was actually... must have been more, far more memorable for me than for you. 
<laughs> but uh, I did remember it very well. So, yeah, for me, I'm actually going to be strangely high on this one. Because I do really feel it is, it, it just has a classic feel to me. I can't explain it. You know? It's like pornography. You know it when you see it. And uh, uh, just, to, just to bring it back to pornography uh, there. Because that's, that's the important thing here. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to go real high here. I'm going eight. Whoa. Yeah. I haven't done eight in a while. Wow. I'm doing it for this. Wow. I'm staking, see this? This is, me. This is my flag. Louise, yeah. I'm staking the flag. It's a very high. In the sand. Alright. I mean, I'm. It's tilting a little, but I'm going to straighten it. There. I mean, That's I, that flag. I was right down the middle. I was a straight up five. Because, That's fine. like, as a kid, I could see it as a classic. As yeah. an adult, I'm not so sure I can, but I do like the illustrations. I like the story. Yeah. I'm, I've just got a lot of questions. That's Lo- okay. Logistical questions. <laughs> um. I, I won't argue with you. There are logistical questions involved, yes. And I, I, you know, I like, I learned new weapons, you know? Yes. That's a thing. Yeah. That I did. You learned what a blunderbuss is. Yeah. A, what a, other picture book is going to teach you what a blunderbuss is? And a ple- pepper blower. Exactly. And That's a, a plepper blower. A plepper blower. <laughs> a plepper blower is even more dangerous in some and ways. And a plunder plus. Okay. And a plunder plus. <laughs> okay. The plepper blower and a plunder plus. Next picture book. Uh, yeah, so it's a classic. Yay! Yay! Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, I gotta find a book that is not a classic for this. Yeah, one, I, I feel like yeah. we've been doing like for every, um, you know, two yeah. classics, it's one non-classic. All right, so we I'll need to... find something super, super weird for the next one. Something yeah. real. Well, weird could still be a classic. Oh, I know, I know. I okay. there's got to be that element of possibility there. Okay. Yeah. You gotta have the, uh, I didn't know you were gonna like Tommy Younger. If I had done... It was the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> if I had done... Yeah, there you go. If I had done Zarelda's Ogre, which is also in there, which is not as well known, uh, I do not think you would consider that a classic. But we're not going to do that one. Not yet. Okay. Letters time! Ooh. So we have two letters. One is exceedingly long... And the other one is not. So we're going to begin with the one that is not. So this one comes from Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. She says, hi, Betsy and Kate. Hello. She, she said hello back. That's sweet. <laughs> That's sweet. I just got done listening to your house on East 88th Street slash Lyle Lyle Crocodile episode. Hmm. And I thought it was interesting the way you talked about the relative fame of each of the books as compared to their titles. I vividly... Remember reading The House on East 88th Street as a child, but until I re-encountered the series as an adult, I would have sworn that its title was Lyle Lyle Crocodile. I'm not sure I ever even read the actual Lyle Lyle Crocodile because its plot is completely unfamiliar to me. I'm not sure exactly how that particular mix-up occurred, but it speaks to the superior quality of the second title that my child brain just attached it to the first book. It should have been that one. It should have. Clearly the first one should have been Lyle Lyle Crocodile, and it's actually really weird that it's not. Yeah, because it's not about the house. It's, it's about, a terrible It's title. about the crocodile. Yeah. Why yeah. would you name a book? You've got a... I've got this book. It's about this family who adopts a crocodile. Is that author still alive? Can we ask? No, Bernard Weber died. Oh. Yeah, no, the only reason I got all that info last time was because I was from his obits. Um. Yeah, nope, he's all kinds of dead. Dang it. So we'll never know. Though his daughter's out there somewhere. We could always ask her. But. Huh, okay. Okay. <laughs> On that to be do easy. list. 
do find daughter find... ask her random question about dad's work labor daughter <laughs> check okay ah uh, the thing to do all right this next one comes from annette it's a bit long i will try to sum it up a little bit Dear Betsy and Kate, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Though I occasionally get behind and have to binge listen, I just finished your episode on Big Red Lollipop. I'd like to propose that the book is a classic about the immigrant experience, as seen from a child's point of view. It shows in excruciating detail the way kids become the mediators between two cultures for their parents. Big Red Lollipop means a lot to me. It evokes memories of our family's experiences living in other countries, while my husband worked for the UN and various NGOs. As a family, we tried to keep from existing only in the expat bubble by making local connections and friendships. This led to many rich cultural experiences, but also to many humiliating experiences for my children, as I, with the best of intentions, totally misread social cues. And then she brings up a couple examples, um, which are just amazing. In Romania, my children went Christmas caroling with their local friends, and when they came to our house, I offered them chocolate from a box of chocolates, Years later, my son explained to me that this had been a painful moment because his friends perceived the rich dessert as my flaunting how much more our family had than they had. Ooh. Ooh. In the Netherlands, I picked up my daughter from her Dutch school to drive her to the orthodontist appointments, which she eventually convinced me, after I'd confirmed with school administrators, no other parent did. Dutch kids got themselves to the dentist and orthodontist appointments by bike or by public transit. Wait, you trust your kid to take themselves yeah. to the dentist? Yeah, apparently. Mm. Apparently. Mm. If you go to the Netherlands and you try to drive your daughter to dentist, she's going to be humiliated. Huh. And in Sudan, I nagged and nagged my kids to get out the door to attend a neighbor's wedding, a guess that we'd be arriving later than the time our neighbor had told us the wedding would start. And when we got there, late, the tech crew was just starting to set up, and it was still hours before the wedding really began. I don't think our family is unusual, and this book seems to perfectly catch the mother's total cluelessness in her new culture. I like to think of Big Red Lollipop as a book not just about the forgiveness of a younger sister, but also the forgiveness of a parent. I know there is danger in making sweeping generalizations, but I think immigrant children are often thrust into positions that require them to show maturity beyond their tender years. That is partly what this book celebrates. These brave, wise children who help their families make it in the new world. Thanks for all the wonderful talk about books. It brightens my life. Thank you, wow. Annette. That I is... feel so dumb. No, don't feel dumb. <laughs> you have not lived in Romania, the Netherlands, Sudan, and Lord knows where she lived. That's a cool life. That is a super cool life. Yeah. She has gone everywhere. Man, the, I just want to see all the stamps in her passport. I know, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. And then her kids. Like, like, where'd you grow up? Oh, you know, the usual. Romania. Netherlands. Netherlands. The Sudan. <laughs> it's like, wow. Thank you, Annette. That was super cool. But that's, a, that's a lot of very good points. So. Yeah, she makes some excellent points. Yeah. That was that was better than I could say anything. Oh. And as a stupid American, I know nothing. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we are all learning. Yes. That is what we learn. Uh, grown-up things we like. Oh, uh, you go first. Oh, I have a really good one. Okay. So I started watching... Um, the Netflix show Russian Doll. Have you heard of Russian Doll? I have heard of it. I had not until my librarians made a little display of, if you liked Russian Doll, check this out. And I was like, just from the title, I assumed it was some Russian spy thriller. And I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. 
But then I learned a little more about it and was like, oh wait, no, it's like Groundhog's Day. It's about a woman who keeps reliving the same, except it's not the same day, it's just she dies continually. Oh, how she dies. Oh, the many ways. Like I lived in New York City and I was unaware of the many ways a person could die in New York City. <laughs> anyway, every time she dies, she ends up back at her 39th birthday party in the bathroom staring at the mirror. Um, and oh, she dies in so many ways. And slowly she's trying to figure out what is going on. There are sort of little clues sort of hidden throughout each episode. And then she meets a guy who's going through the same thing as her. What? So I haven't totally finished. I've got two episodes left. It's only eight episodes and they're half an hour each. And it's Natasha Leone. Natasha uh... Leone, who described herself as uh, Andrew Dice Clay meets the girl from Brave. And that is exactly what she is. Hmm. I have never heard a better description of her. But that is precisely <laughs> what she is. And uh, if that sounds appealing to you in any way, it's very witty, very funny, um, and very fast. Hmm. And it involves uh, a lot of falling down the stairs and breaking your neck. Excellent. So... Wonderful! Oh my gosh, mine is like the exact opposite of yours. It's really? Yeah. Nobody dies? Uh, no. Oh, okay. It's about being born. Oh, it so, is the opposite. Nice. Uh, so mine, so for some reason, I don't know why, but every spring I find I have a friend who's having a baby. Weird how that happens, right? Every spring. I'm like, yeah. what is going on like, like nine months ago? End like, of Bambi. Yeah. This is... <laughs> What? Remember when it's all like the babies? Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's exactly like that. So every spring, I find myself knitting the exact same baby blanket Uh, because I don't know how to knit anything (laughs) else. (laughs) But I wanted to share this because if you are interested in knitting and maybe you don't want to knit something super complicated, I'm going to give you the link to the instructions so that if you want to learn how to knit and you want to make a baby blanket, this is like the easiest baby blanket to make it has a very nice design around the edges and as you will know i mean i knit one for was it lily when she was first born yeah and that was seven years ago yeah that's that's it held up they love it very much yeah so Yeah. yeah so that's my thing is um knitting a baby blanket i'll share the instructions so that if you want to learn how to do it have at it, and if it, the instructions say to do something you don't know how to do, YouTube, my friend. YouTube is the best place to go to be like, how do I pearl? And you can just type in how to pearl, and Aww. there's like a whole bunch of grandmas on there that show you how to pearl. So YouTube's awesome. Yeah. I love that thing. Yours is death, mine's birth. Death and birth and everything in between. And, Rob, and Rob number one, two, three. Exactly. <laughs> death, birth, and... Robbing. Theft. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. On that note. And boobs. And wait, what? (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fusing Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kine. And our Kodiak Wrangler is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal.